Hey, it's Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United Podcast. I want to start with a a little uh, word association exercise for you. If I were to say the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, we all know that, that passage. That's the first verse of Psalm 23, isn't it? This beloved and familiar passage. It, it's, it ranks up there, right, with uh, John 3.16 and, and maybe the Lord's Prayer and, and the Ten Commandments as our most familiar and beloved passages. We use it at bedsides and hospitals. We pray it over funerals and those that we love that have passed away. In our most troubling times, these words come as reassurance and comfort to us when we're struggling, to remind us and to let us know that God is there. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You know, and in reading and studying the Psalms, we're getting a window actually into maybe people's diaries, right? Their journals especially King David. He was raised working as a shepherd. He knows the sheep. Unfortunately, maybe even some of you have worked with sheep more than I have, but I can tell you that they're not very agile. They don't see really well. They don't have very good balance. They often make the wrong decisions, right? They wander off, and they can get themselves into some terrible trouble. David knew that when he states these words, the Lord is my shepherd. And so just to kick things off here, Matt and I kind of found a video that's kind of funny, and we would just want to show it to you really quickly. Maybe you've seen this before. There's no sound, by the way, so just enjoy. (laughs) Oh, that poor little thing. That poor shepherd got him out of that trench, and he jumped right back in, didn't he? David knows these words. The Lord is my shepherd. He summarizes our Christian walk in these six verses. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He goes on, he says, God takes care of me like a shepherd takes care of sheep. He leads them. He provides for them. He protects them. He rescues them when they run and jump into a trench. I truly believe God wants to come into our story this morning. I'm here to remind us that Psalm 23 is not just some uh, distant, sterile uh, psalm that we, you know, eloquently and artistically cross-stitch into an artwork that's on our bedroom wall or that we type out on a bookmark that we get in Sunday school. No, we are living real lives every day. We have real problems, real challenges in our families in our hearts. We don't always make the right decisions, do we? We're kind of like that little sheep. We need a shepherd every day. He says to us, the shepherd says to us today, if you will trust me, I want to make you lay down in green pastures. I want to protect you. David goes on to write, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And here we go. 
This is the verse that I actually want to focus on this morning. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. It's verse 5. Psalm 23, verse 5. You see, the first four verses, we're seeing God uh, perhaps as a shepherd leading the flock, all of us, right? It's a, it's a group, the sheep, plural, need a shepherd. But in this verse, the image transitions to the Lord now being a host and a very personal and individual provider for us. And we're invited to sit down at the table. And sitting at a table with the creator of the universe, what an awesome concept, right? It's an invitation that's for us today. But I want to tell you today that that shepherd, that shepherd action doesn't come in the form of a pastor or a church. It's not actually a Sunday school class or a youth group or a care group, a Bible study, a worship gathering, a prayer meeting. It's not even found in those wonderful books or audio messages, podcasts, Facebook, social, online blogs, or other resources that we have available to us today. It's actually not about what we do in a building even like this wonderful place. Don't get me wrong. All of those things are wonderful things, and they do bring glory and honor to God. They're very powerful in our lives. But at its core, this real deal that I'm talking about, the real deal that I believe verse 5 is talking about. It's not about me. It's not about a lead pastor or the elders or the church leaders. We are going to fail you as shepherds. People are going to fail you. We're going to fail. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. No, the real deal here that I'm speaking of, the most important relationship that we could ever have is at that table with our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus. And the best of all that we could do at Walnut Creek Mennonite, the staff, the elders, the, the, the leaders, the teachers, the best that this organization can do, yes, the church, is to point everyone that we come in contact with, right, to that most important relationship that we could ever have, table for two, that Jesus has set for us, for you. You know, sometimes I feel like we've cluttered up the Christian life, haven't we? we we've uh, mistakenly listed a bunch of do's and don'ts that it's supposed to be. In our attempt to, to boil it down and to describe what it really means to be a Christian. But the core value here is found in a relationship. To be known by God and to know Him. It might go something like this. Hey, Charlie. Sit down with me. Yeah, sit down. How are you today? Are you thirsty? Yeah, let's get you something to drink. You know I love you, and I'm here for you. And I want to listen to you, and I want to be with you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I have a special plan and a purpose for you. I knew you before you were even born. Here, help yourself. I love that picture. Isn't it great? But sometimes this is kind of how we act it out, don't we? Oh, Lord Jesus, yes, of course, thank you. Oh, this is wonderful. This is awesome. Wow. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I'm so sorry. Listen, 
I'm going to have to go. I've got lots of things to do here. But listen, this is what I'm going to do. Oh, just hold still right there. Yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. I put my, put my Bible right there. Oh, yeah. That is wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm tagging you, by the way. At <laughs> breakfast with at the king. Thank you. So It's so great. This is awesome. Oh, lovely, lovely. Thank you so much. That's great. Don't we blow past it sometimes? We've got our to-do list. We've got all these busy things that we need to get done. But we missed the best. We're not alone. In the gospel story, Luke chapter 10, we read of Jesus' visit to Mary and Martha. Everybody knows this story, right? Let me read it for you. It's Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. You see, Mary had discovered and known to sit down with Jesus, to rest upon him, to trust in him, to believe and know him as our friend. What a friend. And Martha was trying to make all the preparations herself. Wonderful, beautiful, well-intentioned preparations. But Jesus says, Martha... Martha, don't miss the best, right? For many of us, especially in this postmodern, fast-paced, competitive, busy, busy culture, this Christian walk, we call it, more like a run, right? But it really, at its core, is not a walk or a run at all. It's about sitting down, sitting down. Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. I really, really love the way you made these. <laughs> Teach me, Lord. Show me what's most important in my life. I love you too. Thank you. Thank you. What a beautiful picture. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. We need to encourage each other in that. It's so good. You know, and our verse says here that the table has been prepared for us, right? In the presence of my enemies. I thought that really unique. It seems like an odd situation, doesn't it? Because if I were to set up the table, right, if you or I would set up the table, I want it to be like in the absence of my enemies. But David writes these inspiring thoughts with that very truth in mind. You see, unfortunately, there is a third person that often plants themselves at the table. Oh, Charlie, he would not be that bold, would he? Well, unfortunately, he was that bold with Eve, wasn't he? In Genesis 2 and 3, we read, is that really what God said? We read many times, I love Luke, uh, actually, 
Matthew 4, where he sidled right up to Jesus' own table with his father. Oh, come now, if you were really the Son of God, you'd change these rocks into bread, right? Yes, unfortunately. Our enemy, the devil, does slip up to the table, and he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy everything that the Lord has set up, including this relationship. And he's not very clear and upfront with his motives, right? Hey, how are you doing? What's up? Mind if I, uh, you know, how are you doing? How's things at work? Your boss still being a pain? How about things at home? Is your wife still nagging you? I don't know how you do it. He's crazy. He sidles up carefully to the table and whispers lies. That's his native language. He slips right up to the table, and he's very subtle. Why did the Lord prepare this table for me in the presence of the enemy? You see, even in real life, a shepherd would lead the sheep flock to green pastures and still waters, but they were still in the presence upon the plains of predators and wild animals and those that would seek to harm the sheep. I think there's three key reasons that I want to share with you that that table is set absolutely in the presence of the enemy. Here's the first point. I actually believe that the Lord prepares this table for you and I in the presence of the enemy so that we, together with Jesus, can glorify and show how powerful and how captivating Jesus really is. So that my enemy sees and is reminded how glorious my Jesus is, how wonderful my relationship to him is. He has a front row seat to that. And his future failure and his future demise is absolutely expressed when I focus on Jesus. And I believe wholeheartedly that that is a key factor to our true understanding of worship. Think about that. So that the enemy sees and is reminded of how glorious and powerful my Lord is. That's the key to worship. A second part of this is really exciting in that Jesus provides for us a table in the presence of the enemy so that those around us, all of those around us, can see how glorious and wonderful and loving our Lord is. It'll go something like this. Lord, thank you so much. I can't eat all of this. Can, can I share it? Yeah. Yes, of course. Would you like something? Take one. Yes, take it. You know where these came from. <laughs> would you like something? Anybody? Yes. Yes. Would you like one? Now, don't make a mess. It's my interview day. <laughs> yes. Take one. Yes. Yes. Take one of these. They're really good. They're really good. Yes. Go ahead. You, you get the picture here? My Lord Jesus has an abundance mentality. I can share. You know what? He'll make more. When we truly love and live out that expression, that expression that comes from this verse, listen to Matthew 10, 5 through 8. This is beautiful. Twelve, the 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any, or any town of the Samaritans yet. Go rather to the lost 
sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out the demons. Freely give as you have received. Freely give. That is a key factor to us understanding witness. Witness. Because when the person in this chair is so affected by the person in this chair, all of those people observing will say, what's different about that person? And we're going to point them to this person. Amen? That's our witness. That's the power of our witness. It's not just about worship, though, and it's not just about witness, is it? I believe the enemy has set this, or excuse me, Jesus has set this table in the presence of the enemy to remind me that I have authority. James 4, 7 reminds me, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is a key factor for me understanding warfare. Moment by moment, day by day, there is a spiritual battle that is happening. Paul writes about it. And our battle here is not against flesh and blood, not against persons or people, institutions. It's much deeper and more sinister than that, right? It's against principalities and powers of the unseen. But the table is our reminder of our authority to say, you know what, buddy boy, you're a liar. And if you're telling me that I'm not good enough, or that you're telling me that I'm too proud, or that, that, that I'm not qualified, you're a liar. And you will be gone from my presence with my Lord. And there's an authority there that we practice. So we express worship and witness and warfare. Because everything that happens at this table is for my good. It's for our good and for His glory. Everything that happens at this table is for our good and for His glory. Worship, witness, and warfare. Sounds like pretty good foundational mission for a, a pastor's philosophy of ministry. It's really a good summary of the three core values of our life, right? As Christians. But let me end by saying this, brothers, sisters, it starts with sitting down, turning our eyes upon Jesus, staying at the table.